Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for sending your Son, Lord, to be the one that makes us holy. We would ask this morning as we anxiously wait for his return, Lord, that you would break your words small fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. I would invite you this morning to turn to our gospel text from Luke chapter 2, picking up in the 22nd verse. Waiting is something that we are not always good at as people. We struggle with waiting for something to arrive in the mail or for the right time or for whatever the answer we are seeking might be. Our gospel text today speaks to the fulfillment of God's promises for those who wait and see. Waiting requires hope. And it begs the question of where is our hope in the waiting? Waiting requires us to let go of the controls and also allows us to hold on to hope in the face of the unknown. And this requires more faith than allowing Jesus to take the wheel when things get hard. See, when we approach life that way, we say, okay, Lord, when everything is going well and we've got it all together, I love being in the driver's seat and I love telling you where we should go. But instead, waiting is when our role is more akin to that of the kid strapped into the third row of the Suburban with a five-point car seat. Where you have to trust that the driver knows where he's going and that you will arrive there safely. During our fourth year at seminary, they bring in the fourth year candidates that are waiting anxiously for their first call and they sit down and they do a profile interview and it's exciting and it's terrifying, mostly terrifying. But it's exciting to begin to imagine where you might end up in your first call. And as Nikki and I stood up and we began to walk out of the door with the placement directors, kind of standing there, shaking our hands, he looks at us and he goes, I really don't know that we have a place for you. I have no idea where we're going to put you and how you're going to fit in. 
He looked through our file and all that documented our experience, evaluations, field reports, recommendations. And at that point I left and I was concerned, to say the least, and I ended up spending a lot of time on my knees in prayer and digging deep into God's Word to understand what He was going to do with us. And feeling like I had nothing left to lose, and the way that I wrestle through things sometimes is to put pen to paper and ink to pulp. And as I sat and I scribbled out this this heart, this vision for ministry, this thing that I was trying to express with my own words, and I walked in and I handed it to him and he went, thanks, but no thanks. But instead, this became a framework that attempted to articulate how God had wired me for ministry, how He had uniquely gifted me with certain passions and interests. Things like being deeply invested in our community. Deeply invested in our people. You see, the end of Simeon's waiting in our gospel text today means that he would soon see death. Did you catch that? That the Holy Spirit had given him the promise that he would not see death until he had first seen the Lord's Christ. So in that moment, he has a choice. He can either spend his remaining days in grief and then mourn when Jesus finally arrives because it means it's the end of his time. Or, as we see today, He celebrates what God is up to for the sake of His people and meets the Christ with open arms as He looks forward to the end of His days and the beginning of Christ. You see, where our hope rests when we are in our waiting directly impacts what we do next. It's a matter of stewardship. Anna's hope is fulfilled. And her heart shifts from waiting for the Messiah to now reaching out to tell others who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. See, on the whole, the people of Israel were waiting, but their hope was misplaced. 
This is why John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus and says, are you the one we've been looking for? Are you the one we've waited for? Or should we be looking for someone else? You see, they were waiting for someone else who would yield immediate results. Someone who operated on an Amazon Prime timeline. Which is a better analogy when you live in the lower 48 and it actually arrives in two days instead of two weeks. But the bottom line is is that our hope rests where the Holy Spirit lays it. See, throughout each one of these texts that we've had in the past couple of weeks where something amazing, miraculous, otherwise unexplainable happens, where these people say things that are profound and even in some cases divine, and you go, where would that come from? None of these folks did anything without the Holy Spirit moving them to. What do we hope to see? Whatever we hope to see should be grace-filled and Spirit-driven. In other words what our hope, our goal, our expected outcome is should never be, well, I'm really comfortable when. Or my favorite this. Or I really think we should do this because if our ministry looks like us, In the old Adam, if it looks like the man that we drowned in baptism and not the one that rises up, we've missed the point. And we're the ones behind the wheel. A new year means new resolutions, new goals. Particularly as we reflect on what has been done and where God has worked in the last year, and we begin to discern where we see him working in the year to come. But things don't always go according to plan. The outcome that I hope to see is always missing Pieces. With each pregnancy and with every child, our prayer was always for a healthy kid. People say, Do you want a boy or do you want a girl? I don't care. I want a healthy kid. And time and again, we see the way that God says, yeah, but see, your idea of what that looks like is a little different than what mine is. Wait and see what that looks like. 
you go through these peaks and these valleys and these ebbs and these flows, these heartbreaks and these healings, and God places people in your life at the right time with the right words. And on one of those particular days, a colleague and friend of Nikki's said, I really think you need to go back and read what David says in Psalm 139. David writes and says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell in Sheol, you are there also. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. For you formed my inward parts. See, now he's not talking to my wife and I anymore, but now he's talking straight up to our kids. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. Living by what we hope to see on our terms blinds us to seeing what God is really up to and can even blind us from seeing Jesus. If we didn't know better, if we didn't have 2,000 years of perspective on our gospel text, then we would read this and we would look at Mary and Joseph and go, that's just a poor couple who's faithful in obeying the law. They're just doing what they were told to do. And we would look right past the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We would look right past Emmanuel, God with us. But then we see folks like Anna and Simeon, and we see when the watching and the waiting is worth the weight. I have to tell y'all, we talk about the Lutheran Mafia, and I love it. I'd never heard that before we came up here, where we 
make sure we take care of folks and we look after one another. And as often as I, as your pastor, tell you when you leave to go on vacation or when you go outside for surgery or whatever it might be, and I say, find a church, I'll help you hook up with one, I strive to model and practice what I preach, and that was one of the first connections that we made in Boston. And so I had looked it up on the LCMS website because I want to know that we can take communion and we can gather together with other saints. That we can have a pastor's pastor serve us when we need one. And out of the blue, someone from that church emails my wife and says, hey, by the way, you don't know me, but I'm only two and a half miles from the hospital. Wow. Okay, God, I had no idea what you're doing here. Hours later, we get a text message and it says, do you know this couple? Well, yeah, I grew up with their daughters in St. Louis, Missouri. Well, he's the head elder at this church that's two and a half miles from the hospital. Okay, Lord, I'm listening. <laughs> and then a day later, I'm sitting in a meeting with a bunch of other pastors and a man who is the president of Concordia University in New York. He says, have you met this guy named Ingo Dutzman? And I went, no, I've never met him. And he's like, well, you need to, because he's the pastor at this church that's two and a half miles from the hospital. <laughs> so guess where my wife was this morning? She was at the church that's two and a half miles from the hospital. We don't know what God's up to. He doesn't give us a roadmap and a blueprint and a clear picture for how everything works out. He just says, wait and see. And it's the hardest thing in the world. We want the answers. We want to know that it's all going to be okay. And deep down, you know that it is. And you see in our reading today that these folks, they waited because they knew that God had a plan and he would be faithful. But in ministry, the victories that we celebrate and that we get excited about aren't always the ones that are immediately tangible. You see, in the church, we play the long game. We make short-term investments for a long-term future. Which is why when we talk about the ways that we need to invest in our youth and young adult ministries, and we can serve the folks that are right here right now, and we've got them. It's more than that. The long game is that we want to love and care about them, not only because of them, but because we love and care about their children and their children's children. We play the long game. We wait and see. And that waiting requires hope on our part. 
To see God keep his promises is worth the wait for Anna and Simeon. And each and every time we celebrate a baptism, a confirmation, each and every time we gather around the Lord's table to celebrate communion, when we celebrate a confirmation or even gather together to grieve in a Christian funeral, we see the way that God keeps His promises. Because it's not about the numbers, it's about the increase in Christ's kingdom come. So we shouldn't be surprised if God does something miraculous and unimaginable. But instead, we should wait and see with confidence and hope when He will. Because God always gets the glory. Now and forevermore. Amen.